Welcome to the Imperfect Parent Podcast, and I'm an imperfect parent. The pressures from all directions to be perfect can be overwhelming. They come from family, friends, social media, and can be very difficult to deal with, especially if you feel like you're on this journey alone. Well, that ends here. You are not alone, and together we will become a village and community by building strong foundations in which the relationships with ourselves and our family can be built on. I'm going to share with you the stories and knowledge of parents, professionals, and authority figures who have been there or have the knowledge, tools, and resources you need to find out what works, what doesn't, and what's next. So let's go. We got this. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Imperfect Parent Podcast, and I am an imperfect parent on a journey to find out what works, what doesn't, and what's next. I've been waiting for this interview for a long time. It's Mr. Ryan Hartley. I'll just throw his name out there right away. I've been kind of following his stuff and diving in for the last little while. And he just serves some from such a genuine, awesome place. I'm just drawn into all his content and, you know, just want to follow him as much as I can. Getting him on the podcast here to talk about, well, I don't know where this is going to go exactly. I got a few ideas on how to guide it through, but I'm sure Ryan's going to have a lot of cool things for us to talk about. So let's just jump in, Ryan. How's it going today, bud? Hey, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for the introduction. Really good to see you again great to have the conversation i know we uh, we tried to make this happen once and it had to be rearranged so just glad that we get to see where this goes but i love the love the title man like imperfect parent it's it's so true it's i'm sure gonna dive into my heart for being an imperfect parent but i just love the title yeah like it kind of came out of nowhere i was just having coffee one morning and i'm like imperfect parent yes (laughs) (laughs) and then as this journey has evolved and grown and I've grown on this journey. Then I start see finding people like you who are, are leading and teaching and, you know, bringing in that just to the forefront. It just makes me want to dive in more to everything as well. Right. So yeah, I, that's why I want you on here is just because, you know, the things that you talk about and the places that you come from is just so genuine to me. <laughs> and it's something that's really missing in a lot of, you know, the social media and the content that I consume actually. Thanks, mate. Cool. Let's have a good chat. Let the listeners know a little bit about you, like what what you got going on and where you come from, kind of. And it doesn't need to be the the full book, but you can go where you can go with it where wherever you feel fit. Yeah, man. I'm 33. Live in the southwest of England. Married my childhood sweetheart. We've been together since I was 15. We have two children. Corey is eight, and my daughter Brooke, she's six. And yeah, I grew up in a single parent family here in in England, really suffered from an absence of a male role model in my life. You know, I was abandoned by kind of two male role models at different times in my life and real pivotal times. And I just got to a position where throughout my leadership development journey, I was very fortunate enough to realize that leadership and parenting is one of the same. We'll probably talk more about my kind of policing background. I spent 12 years in the UK police as a civilian, variety of roles, but as I first became responsible for people at work I also became responsible for a mini human being and you know I was just whilst the police were teaching me about leadership you know the subtle teachings of leadership being rank and position and status and hierarchy everything I was learning at home was about nurturing developing sacrificing my time my my resources my energy my sleep to nurture and develop and protect this baby and and I felt similar to for my team I felt as I was going to work my role was about serving the team helping them equip them with the skills and the confidence to to go out and to do the best work and to give them a place where they feel like they they matter and they belong and they can contribute so 
I think I was very fortunate enough to have that realization early along in my leadership journey. And, you know, I, I think having that absent male role model, it kind of has given me a heart for wanting to be the best parent I can be. But I think, you know, that imperfect parent, what it says to me is that there's, uh, we're just going to make our own mistakes. Whilst I might not make the mistakes that have gone before me, I, I will make my own. And I think there's enough grace and space for that. And I think the imperfect parent once we accept that as a label and as a title we are free to show up and just try our best every single day and once we know better to do better right yeah it does kind of give you a freeing place to kind of launch from <laughs> you know like this is me this is what i am and it may not be perfect but i'm going to i'm going to go from here you know we haven't mentioned but your community is you know always better than yesterday and so that that ties in so nicely it it really does it is in this moment what am i learning how am i growing and you know the, the minute you think you've got it all figured out life's going to come around and teach you a lesson in some way and for my son's eighth birthday, we ran this. Uh, so I host obviously a, a podcast called Always Better Than Yesterday. And I did a little mini series with him for his eighth birthday. And he, he called me out in the middle of the episodes. He's, you know, he, he was because like, like, dad, you're tough, aren't you? And I, so I, I you know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm different to what I portray, but there's an element of like love is tough and, uh, you know, high standards and to values and who we are. And yeah, he gets sometimes the rough end of that deal. And uh, <laughs> but he's there holding me accountable on, on, a, on a live podcast saying, yeah, dad's tough. And that's the reality is that you got to sometimes take the humility and go, yep, all right, still learning. <laughs> well, yeah. And, you know, coming from all sorts of backgrounds, like you could have been brought up in the perfect home but you're still going to make mistakes. Like those mistakes happen, those learning lessons happen. And we are seem to be beings that learn the hard way most of the time. So you got, like you just said, you got to have that grace and that space to, to allow that to happen and move on to be better than yesterday. <laughs> In your teaching, like you were talking about, you know, training teams and how it just meshes to the family and teach and growing that as well. They just tie in so, so nicely together. I'd like to dive into that a little bit more. I don't exactly know what you were doing with the police, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Yeah. So when I so I joined the police straight from university at 21 and I joined wanting to be a criminal profiler, but I, I joined to be a 999 emergency call handler. And it's at that point that I realized that criminal profiler jobs don't exist. They're just on telly. So I did a number of roles. I did that. I, I became an analyst. I got promoted pretty quickly as an analyst. And once I became responsible for kind of leadership and culture, and I, I was able to train as a coach alongside my role. And it's through that journey, really, that you know, I've always been fascinated in psychology, you know, why human beings do what they do, how do we think and how do we behave? So everything's been about mindset in the coaching world. Everything's been about mindset based on Carol Dweck's book. It's been the real buzz phrase for the last few years. As I grew more and more in my understanding of coaching and leadership and my own faith journey, there's a model over my shoulder, which is like a little gobstopper. It's an inside out kind of ring. And I've really just established that everything's from the inside out. You know, I was in, as I shared a post today on my, well, my family and I, we were in Disney World, happiest place on the planet, right? And yet my daughter's crying in this image. Everyone's all smiles, she's crying. And that image reminds me what I felt like inside. And here's where I'm going with that. Leadership, like life, is an inside out thing. Because if it's outside in, you know, we were in the happiest place in the world. Why weren't we happy on the inside? 
if you've got the job, if you've got the house, the kids on the outside, why was I as a leader not happy and fulfilled on the inside? So I got really clear that, you know, the best form of success, the best form of leadership, the best form of parenting is from the inside out, which starts with the heart. What do we care about? What do we really stand for? What are our gifts and our talents? This is what those who focus on mindset forget. Because if we just lead with the mindset, we might achieve great things. But without the heart engaged, it leaves us vulnerable to that Penguins of Madagascar moment where we look around and go, but this sucks. I've achieved a great job. I've achieved a great bank balance, but got no one around me to celebrate it with or whatever the reasons might be, because it was never what the heart really wanted in the first place. And that's where it kind of comes from. The same is true with parenting. The same is true with leadership. My definition is that leadership and parenting is about putting our own needs to one side to serve others. And we cannot do that properly if we don't care about the people or the project or the work or whatever it is. If we don't care about it, if we don't love it or love the people, they're not going to get the best out of us because we're not going to put ourselves out of our comfort zone. We're not going to put ourselves at risk or sacrifice our time, our energy, our resources, our safety, which is why leadership and parenting is the same. It's fueled and driven. The best form is fueled and driven by love. <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of hits home a little bit <laughs> because, you know, my whole podcast has came about because... I wasn't fulfilled. Like I had, you know, I had started this electrical company. It was doing well. We were kind of in a place where things were not, you know, we were comfortable and life was going good. But for some reason, there was something missing. Like, you know, I wasn't able to come home at the end of the day and still have enough left for the family and the kids. And yet I should. Why shouldn't I? You know, we have the house and everybody's happy and healthy. And but why? You know, so this last year, digging in and trying to figure that out has been quite an epic journey, actually. <laughs> it's tough. It's really tough. And, and this is where if you had a great leader around you, they'd recognize that. They'd know you so well that they'd be able to be an influence in your life so that you went home beyond the workplace better for those who need you. When I really opened my eyes to the potential that I had to have a positive impact in people's lives, not just in my team, but the people that they go home for, their children, their spouses, man, that's a responsibility I never took lightly. And here's why I'm an imperfect parent, because I found what I love to do, but I went too far in and I didn't have the right balance because I had some relationship troubles at home. We weren't necessarily communicating. We got to a point after 15 years, just we were growing apart, not growing together, we were growing apart. And I had found this thing that I'd love and I'd created this sense of family and community around always better than yesterday. And it got to a point where I was showing up for love, not from love. I was showing up in my community because it validated me. It gave me energy. These people loved what I was doing and helping. And I wasn't getting that from work. I wasn't getting that level of my love language is words of affirmation, you know, and these people in my community, they were loving they were loving what I was doing. So what did I do? Rather than fix the things that were difficult, I went to the place that, that filled me up. So I was doing 17 hours a day and buzzing, full of energy. But I was imperfect because those around me and those who needed me didn't get the best of me. And that put me on my knees. You know, 2019, I, I got to a point where, you know, this was the hardest thing for me. You know, 
it took me 18 months to make a decision to leave the family home because at some point along the way, I gave up hope that the future would be better. And B, I convinced myself that my family would be better if I wasn't in the house, that they would get a better dad if I wasn't here. Now, the universe, God had other plans and I'm glad that he did, you know, making and then here's again that the irony here I was making a decision that I'd spent 30 years resenting somebody else for having done when I was a child. And the humility that you have to have when you look at yourself and go, shit, I've just done the very thing. I've just made a decision in diff completely different circumstances. But uh, and then, you know, a whole series of things have happened since, you know, we've decided to to really make a go of it again. And that's where a kind of faith journey comes in. But yeah, it, 2009 put me on my knees and I've just been trying every single day to be available to those who really need me not just my community yeah to find that healthy balance i know you know i've kind of dove into this podcast some days more than i should and like you said it fills your cup so why wouldn't you want to do things that make you feel good but at the same time you still got to keep that balance of looking at the people that are supporting you on that journey and making sure they're cared for as well it that is a tough balance is, is you know maintaining our own personal health be it you or your wife or whatever so you can transfer that into the family and the children and that's a, a constant lesson learned every day almost yeah and, and i don't believe in balance being a standstill point it's like walking on a highway it's a constant act and i think one thing i've really tried to do with my wife since leaving the police and running always yesterday full time with her support is just better communication you know because sometimes great things come when you go all in you know my, my business is has absolutely flown in the last 12 months because i've been all in with her support what I have to do is be intentional about my boundaries. So I have a couple of evenings a week. I've kept the diary free, for example. Fridays, I try and keep free. I go to the gym every morning so that I've got energy for those who need me when I'm doing the school, whatever that might be, you know. But it's never a constant, oh, I've nailed it. Life's balanced. Like, it's just not that, you know. And, and there are sometimes we're cruising at altitude, 100% nice. I've never found that. And sometimes my tendency is to speed up. And it's like gravity. Like, the more and more I spin, the tighter it gets. That The busier I get, the busier I get. <laughs> so I've got to try and find ways to put the handbrake on sooner than before I crash. But uh, it's a lifelong lesson. Lifelong pursuit of balance, shall we say. Yeah, over this last week, me and Aaron have sat down actually a few times where you know we're working with one of our other friends she has they're starting this new program for parents like family success and you know just digging in deep to set your foundations and grow from there so we you know we're helping her just kind of be her beta project and it's awesome actually like she's going to be coming out with some really great stuff for parents to you know dig deep and find out what that meaning is for you and your family so through that we've we've kind of been looking at ourselves, which we kind of thought we had it together. But after, you know, putting pen to paper and, you know, intentionally setting aside some time to talk about things like that, all of a sudden stuff starts coming up where you're like, oh, okay, we need to set some time aside to talk about that now. But it's fun. And, you know, it's getting, getting us to a place where we are more open with each other and we can get to that next level and that next step. I believe love is tough. You know, I talk about leading with love and the police can be, oh, it's a bit of a funny word, but love is tough and love does what's difficult. Why? Because at the start of it, you know, people know it is tough love, but love is tough. Love comes first because when you embrace a conversation, that's going to be difficult, but you know that love's in the middle. 
and that there's unconditional love and a positive intention to leave closer, more connected, better, more understanding, then you've got to do what's difficult. It's like if you had had your uh, food just before coming on and there was, you know, I don't know, let's just say you got some guacamole from your tacos. It's all on your face, right? If I care about you, what am I going to do? I'm going to tell you you've got it on your face because what you don't want to have happen is when you publish this video, like, flipping heck, that Hartley talks about leading with love and yet he didn't tell me he's got... But it's easier to not do that, right? It's easier. We think we're being kinder by avoiding the difficult conversation. Love comes first when you're unconditional and you put grace and space and care and intention. You're going to say what you need to say for the benefit of you both so that you can move forward better as a result of it. Yeah. We, we worked a lot on our communication last year. You know, we went to therapy for the first time and that kind of opened up some channels of communication. And then, then over the last year of just learning, actually like learning how to talk to each other and recognizing each other's signals to be able to, you know, just know how to deal with those. But through the whole process, it has been, it has been nice to be able to make her feel safe in saying stuff. Cause I know Aaron used to like kind of hold it back. Like you said, in, in trying not to hurt me, she thought she was like caring for me and being nice by just not saying those hard things that I needed to hear. So, you know, we've kind of gotten to a place where we can open up more, but there's still those tough moments. And God's got a funny way of putting opposites together. And some, you know, and my wife and I, we're, we're very much opposite. And we, we both have very different upbringings. And it's not until you unpick what the different upbringings have meant in terms of our values and our unspoken rules. So I, I'll give you some examples. I grew up in a single parent family. My mum worked three or four jobs. She did everything around the house. I'm used to seeing an independent female optimism, positivity. I can do anything mantra. Her downfall is that she doesn't ask for help. I inherited that, I'm afraid. My wife, on the other hand, she grew up uh, as a single child. Older brother and sister moved out, and so she was the only child left in the house. Dad waited hand on foot, would do anything for her. So what do we learn about love? She's learned that love looks like someone who will do lots of things for them. That's how love was shown. Her love language is acts of service. Mine, on the other hand... I have a value of independence and not dependence. So instantly I'm not giving her what she needs or what she perceives love is. And then I'm being depended on for things that I think you do that yourself, which is perceived as a, he doesn't care. You don't love me. And already you think just by being ourselves, by living the lives that we were grown, brought up in, if we didn't have, the ability to put words to those feelings and those beliefs, we're just going to piss each other off just by being ourselves. <laughs> and it's just sometimes creating a framework that goes, ah, that's where that comes from. That's where that comes from. Okay, cool. What does that look like? Well, what does it mean? And just trying to create a dialogue rather than go, oh, you always do. I hate it when, you know, trying to create that curiosity, that awe and wonder for, I wonder why they're like that. Yeah, <laughs> we we actually took the love language test just recently, and it was funny because I knew mine was uh, words of affirmation as well, and hers was acts of service as well. So, but we didn't know how much. Like I was pretty heavy on that scale, and I think the other one is like gifts. One of the love languages, you know, gifts or whatever. I didn't even score one point in that. 
So like, you know, that's just not, if I was with somebody that was their love language, it just doesn't even recognize on my radar. Like I just don't do that. So, you know, just being able to define those a little bit and recognize. Do you know what? It's, it's so funny because like, you know, love was really important to me. Still is, always will be. And you know, I'd get to a point where I would just be so insecure or seeking validation that like I'd ask, you know, oh, do you like the look? Do you like this? Do you like that? Or can you see the progress I've made at the gym? Or do you love me? And then she'd say, yes, of course I love you. And I'm like, give me three reasons why. And she'd just be like, flipping, heck, you are so needy. Now I've just learned that it was just probably my love tank was empty. It's just my love language, you know, but what she did in those moments is label me as being needy. And I'm just like, oh, like, I am, you know what I mean? It's that mis, that miscommunication, just slight miscommunication. So I can label her, you know, too dependent, too lazy. She can label me needy. And it's all counterproductive to, you know, because I was very fortunate to interview the author of that book, Dr. Gary Chapman, earlier this year. And he said to one of his clients, he said, you know, one of his clients said to him, yeah, but Dr. Chapman, I don't like doing the dishes. And he said, well, how do you like your wife? Do you prefer her with a love tank full or a love tank empty? Because I know which one I prefer. And, and it's like that. It's just sometimes, it's sometimes taking a moment, especially when I talk about leadership. I talk about leading and leading with love and serving. And yet here I am in my own house, not serving. It's difficult because those tough conversations come up. Oh, you call yourself always better than yesterday. You call yourself a leader who leads with love, but you won't take the bins out. I'm like, I'm all for equality, you know, <laughs> modern relationship. Do it. No, I'm joking. But you can see how it's really tricky. It's really, really tricky. Yeah. Like uh, we have three, three kids and a dog and our floors are a sandy mess because we live in almost a desert style sandy area. But so, you know, if I spend 10 minutes sweeping the floor before she gets home from work or something, that just fills it right, fills her tank right up. And, you know, 10 minutes is tactical. Good timing. <laughs> yeah. Always good timing. Oh, yeah. Just as they're coming through the door. Yeah. Oh, oh I'll just sweep this last little pile up. And... <laughs> <laughs> We're giving all our secrets away. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I got your website pulled up here and it's, you know, it's my mission to help developing leaders lead confidently, authentically, and with purpose. Like, you say you have a three pillar program. Like, do you want to dive into that just a little bit here? I believe that. So we talk about always better than yesterday, but the master key that I feel like I have is that if I can help more leaders lead with love, the type of leaders who can put their own needs to one side to serve others, to bring out the best in people, to unite people, to connect people, to help people do meaningful work that they love to do. You know, those people are going to go home differently. They're going to go happier. They're going to go healthier. When we're in states of love, our physiology, we gain energy. We have healthy immune systems, healthy minds. We have more collaborative and connected teams and communities. If I can help more leaders lead that way, I believe that the legacy of that is that people, teams, organizations, communities are left better. Always better than yesterday is not the cost of entry. It is the result of being led by love. So my three pillar is, well, before you can leave that legacy, because everyone wants to change the world, you first got to show up and lead yourself. You first got to connect with what is it that you deeply care about? What are you passionate about? What is it that you love to do? Because those 
gifts and those talents that we have, yes, they're in part for us because they give us energy while we use them, but they become purpose when we use them to serve others in the world who need them. That's when that perfect mix of the I meets the we, my passion meets your need meets purpose. That if you are living and loving and leading with purpose, you'll know the power that that has. And the act of leadership is, again, is, is a sacrifice. It's putting yourself out of your comfort zone, putting yourself in difficult positions. And the reason we don't get the leaders that we deserve is because not everybody has that connection to that love, care, and passion for their team and the work they do. But the ones that do, they have to work really hard to give themselves what they need first. You can't give what you've not got. And if you're too busy showing up in a world insecure, needing validation, leading for love, not from love, leading for that position, that status, you know, the time when, it, as soon as it gets tough, those leaders disappear. They run away because they don't care about anything beyond themselves and their own advancement. So the real leaders who will go on to leave a legacy will first lead themselves. They'll do more of what they love. They'll give themselves their love of themselves, not just for the sheer flex of loving themselves but because it makes them more loving for others who need it it enables them to put their own needs to one side when the going gets tough it enables them to keep showing up with courage and resilience and a humility to keep learning so they show up better for those around them uh, who need them that that is something that i am really working on is you know yeah yeah and you have to but i want to dig back there like you got to dig into yourself. So when the times get tough, like you said, that you can, you know, put that aside and lean into the people that you're serving or, you know, the family or what, whoever needs you at that time. Like, and if you haven't been taking care of yourself or doing that for yourself, then what do you have to give? <laughs> yeah. And sometimes, you know, I, I was, you get on an airplane and the thing Tanoi says, you know, if, put your own mask on first before you chat. And I was never going to do that. <laughs> I was like, that makes no sense. I'm going to put my kids on first. And it's not until you have a burnout or a breakdown that you realize, ah, maybe I should have looked after myself a bit better. And whilst fortunately I've never got to that, that ultimate state, there have been moments when, like I said, I wasn't being who my family needed me to be. I every, so I got to a position at the, just before leaving the police, just torn between should I stay, should I go crying every day in the shower the emotional burden on me was just so much that I just, it was just weighing on me the whole time. I was like a soaked sponge that just with the slightest bit of squeeze, my emotions were coming out and that's it. You know, I want people to realize that before they get to that burnout and breakdown, that the more they can understand their needs, have an intimate awareness of what they need so that they can give of themselves. It's not selfish. It's absolutely necessary. If you're a leader, self-care, is absolutely necessary because when it comes to it, it enables you to serve harder and for longer and more powerfully without any need for anything back. So to be able to find that spot that is doing that for you, what's the way, man? <laughs> but I want to keep this really simple. Plus one, minus one. Do one more thing that gives you energy that you enjoy, that lights you up. And do one less thing of things that sap your soul. Like, like for me, DIY changes who I am. Like I, if I do DIY, it honestly, it really deeply offends my soul. I become impatient. I become 
short like my my wife she has this wonderful image of this male role model in the house teaching his son how to do diy mate if i'm doing diy everyone needs to stay away from me like because i become someone else and it's just simply that when we do things that we hate it really affects us it changes us so wouldn't it just be better to do less of that and sometimes that might be impractical sometimes it might not be possible or you can't afford to do some of those things but there's always going to be something you know this is why we have community there's always going to be someone out there who loves to do what we hate to do and then the opposite is true there's always going to be someone out there who needs what we love to do and are you going to find it day one if you do great like for me this has been a five six six year and it's the way i the way i describe purpose and passion and doing what you love is that you write it down you think you know what it is so then you take it with you and you apply it to the next thing it's like a color chart is it this oh it's a little bit off okay me and and as you continue to pursue your purpose and your passion and the things that you love to do you'll soon you know and the thing with love is that love is an emotion and our emotional part of our brain is not connected to our language part of our brain so if you can't find the words for what you love it's just because the two parts of the brain aren't connected we which is why we have to either talk find experiences or whether we talk about stories or whatever to kind of bridge the gap between our brains until we do have the words that articulate why we love that thing that person or whatever that might be it's like you say do you love your spouse do you love your partner you're like yeah why you know it's that moment of like, oh no it's because those two parts of the brain aren't connected which is entirely normal yeah that's one of the best explanations i've heard ryan is just the plus one minus one do more of what it is that you like and less of what you don't yeah and then just yeah figuring that out so confidence authentically did we talk about that i guess so showing up as yourselves and your best self and then purposeful with this last year being as crazy as it was and just you know everything being thrown up in shambles and it, it was kind of key to hold on to that you know what made you and to stay strong with that because you know a lot of the things that have been happening over this last year have pushed your values or your things that you thought were your concrete morals or, or whatever you know like deep down it, it's yeah it, those things were put to the test this last year for sure i think authenticity is when what we say and what we do is in line what we genuinely think and believe you know sometimes as leaders or parents sometimes there's so much going on outside of us that we think we have to change or adapt to fit in right and that puts us in places where what we genuinely think what we genuinely believe isn't the same as what we're saying and what we're doing there's a disconnect there's a discomfort and we'll either justify that because we're learning and we're trying to put ourselves in a different crowd or we'll just feel like a fraud and when you're leading other people and you're very visible and there's no space to be a fraud because the minute other people find out trust goes and if you don't have trust in your leader, they're, they're just not going to follow. They're not going to feel safe in your presence. So that's why authenticity is really important. A, for the leader, so that they feel like there's an integrity, integer, that they are at one with themselves. Everything that they say and everything that they do is in line with 
who they truly are, what they truly think, and what they truly believe. And authenticity is also for others because it's just endearing. We warm to people that we just know are being themselves. And the opposite is also true, that we're put off by those who just say and do things that doesn't match what they believe. Yes. Yeah. 100%. I'm, you said it way more eloquently than I did. That, that, that was... Yeah, no, that, that is perfect because, you know, like, like you said, you kind of want to have that in place and be solid when the shit hits the fan, because I have a feeling it's not over yet. <laughs> I agree. And I slightly disagree because I think, I think those who already had gone through this process of self-awareness, self-leadership, authenticity, there would have been no hesitation during this last year. They'd have doubled down. They'd have, they'd have come through this stronger. And I think it's like it's like you wouldn't train or, or coach the Super Bowl during the Super Bowl. You know, it is the same thing. Those who have gone to this place to figure out who they are, what they stand for, what they're good at, they can perform during the tough times. They have this confidence. They have this platform. And this is kind of what I mean by confidence, authenticity, and purposeful, is that when the shit does inevitably hit the fan, they're good to go because they're coming from the inside out. It's like when life squeezes, what's the juice that comes out? And a leader who's done the inner work that knows their purpose, their gifts, their talents, their skill sets, what they stand for, they can double down on leading from who they are and adapt themselves to where they are rather than this chaotic world shaping who this person thinks they ought to be. I've, I give it. I gave it plenty of thought. We need to make that like a constant practice, really. And you also talk about like our youth needing that. Are you doing? Are you working at all with like the youth, or have you developed anything to try and get through to them with this? Well, you know, I shared a post in May last year, May 2020, which was, it was around about six weeks after the first lockdown here in the UK. And my post said, we need to aim past the target. And it was lessons that I took from Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. I don't know if you've read the book, but it's incredible. It's his memoirs from his time as being a prisoner in Auschwitz. And he basically said that there was a significant spike in the number of deaths just after Christmas day. And he put this down to the fact that people had hope for being home with their families for Christmas Day. And the time that that did not happen, they gave up hope. As they gave up hope, their bodies then succumbed to the illnesses. And that's the kind of message I was trying to put out to my community is that if we've got this target date in mind and we think it's going to be all okay after a certain date, and it's not, like hope deferred makes the heart sick. And if we, this is why we need to aim past the target. So those leaders need to continue looking after themselves continue managing their energy for the long haul we're not in a emergency response situation we can't live in that level of sustained activation every single day cortisol will attack the body tiredness will attack the body great leaders will have already got into a rhythm of having their people having their family having themselves look after themselves so that they can go for as long as necessary i'd like to go back and think of that like if you don't do it then who who missed you singing who missed that voice of yours to like inspire them to do wonderful things or keep pushing on and if they can if kids can kind of see you pushing those boundaries and then getting that reward uh, yeah i that's one thing i really want to get into my girls is that 
pushing through the hard for the good at the end. So I went into my son's local primary school about 18 months ago. And I've really, a couple of things really. Yes, I want them to do more of what they love. Secondly, I want them to realize that there's two things, right? We've got a heart and we've got a mind. The heart works on devotion, being devoted to the things that it loves to do, being the devoted to becoming best version of ourselves. The mind has discipline. And what I've tried to help the young people as well as the adults is that we need to use the two for what they're really there for. Get clear on what you love to do more of that. Why? Because it lights us up. But be disciplined. Know that great things come when you do the difficult thing. When you know that the good feeling on the other side is a result of you doing the thing that you don't want to do. Whether that be getting up at 5am and doing the gym or the cold shower or doing the talk or, or as a kid, just practicing in front of your classmates whatever that might be and while you're doing that while you're pushing the comfort zone have some go-to things that you'll say to yourself because the world will tell you a million and five things that who you're not what you've not got but wouldn't it be great if we can speak life into our kids and to ourselves by reminding some truths around who we are what we stand for and what we are good at rather than all the things that we're not good at because we're trying to create rounded kids, you know, that we've got tests for everything. It tries to create, but the reality is the things we'll get remembered for, the things we'll get paid to do, they require us to double down on a very specific set of skills, gifts, and talents. I want to draw that out of people before they give up on that. And they fall they My wife, fine example, incredible singer, but at the age of 15, fell out of love with it. And it's only now at the age of 34 that she's, rediscovering that she feels great when she sings in front of a crowd you know through worship and through the church and it's like well she's missed out on you know 18 20 years worth of that incredible feeling and those people who needed to hear her sing yeah oh, you, you just made me speechless there i i talking about kids and not like treat and teaching them stuff it it always chokes me up because like sometimes i feel that imperfectness of like you know where I'm not doing it right. But then you see those moments and you got to accept those as well. I think so. You know, I think sometimes in, in thinking about this podcast, you know, what is it that I do to help kids? Sometimes the best thing you can do in your own home is lead by example. Your kids are always watching. They're watching the way that you act, the way that you respond to things, the way that you speak to yourself and other people. You know, monkey see, monkey do. They're more likely to copy what we do than what we say that they should do. And that doesn't always go in our favor. <laughs> I got a three, I got a three-year-old that likes to say uh, bucket quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm yeah. sure they heard it somewhere. And, and this is the thing, you know, and I saw my positive days with my kids. I'm like, we're Hartleys and we help people. You know, we've got a real clear identity. We're Hartleys. We help people. But he was putting his shoes on. And again, I've got a huge value around independence. He's like, dad, will you help me put my shoes on? I was like, buddy you got this, you can do this. And he's like, dad, we're Hartleys and we help people. <laughs> so he's holding me accountable, which is great. And, you know, again, they're constantly watching, constantly this. And so my son's bedroom is just across the hallway from the office where I'm sat in now. And he listens to the many people that I've interviewed on the podcast. He listens to the talks that I give and he probably, hopefully he's not listening now, but he, you know, he will listen and he'll come out with some stuff every now and again. He'll come out with some stuff. He, you know, and 
I was very fortunate, and I'm not a big name dropper, but I was very fortunate enough to interview Matthew McConaughey. And I walk past, and he's got he's got my podcast playing. Sometimes I get an overwhelm of, I'm doing this parenting thing. <laughs> and sometimes I feel like I'm doing all right, you know? And sometimes I think any parent that's out there, just realize you're doing a great job. Realize you're doing the best you possibly can. And I think you deserve to feel good about the parenting because you've sacrificed so much time, love, and energy. So whatever it is, no, forget the whole Matthew name drop thing. Like whatever it is, if you see your kid being a good human being, know that that isn't by accident. And the other thing, I want to flip the coin a little bit. We always think as this generation or whatever that the same with leadership, there's a, there's an arrogance that we need to teach the next generation. And there are some times where our kids can teach us more about ourselves than we can teach them. When I was younger, when I was Corey's age, like I would go out with money and I would come back with more money than I went. I was so tight with money. Like, I don't know whether that's come from the fact that, I don't know, who knows where that's come from in my childhood and, and, and what. But Corey on his birthday, he had money. We we're going to go put it in a bank. And he stopped at this homeless person. And he's like, mum i want to give him some of my birthday money and like like in that moment i'm just like oh like here not even that i'm just like here is a healed version like i could never have done that as a kid i don't know what it would have like i don't know what it was that would have prevented me from doing that like but i was tight i was resourceful i wouldn't share much and who knows where that came from but here's this kid eight years old wanting to give his birthday money and he didn't give a small note either like he gave 20 quid, right? 20 pounds of his birthday money to a homeless guy. And like, and I just think, man, I have learned so much in that moment. Forget me teaching him. Forget me trying to help him be his natural state when he is loved is to go love other people. I can't teach that. All I can do is create a safe space for him to just be what human beings are naturally here to do, which is in absence of this fight, flight, freeze situation, in absence of all the social constructs that we're subject to all the time, our natural state as loved human beings is to go love others, to give because we want to, because we can, not because we have to or we get anything back in return. I couldn't teach him that. He had to teach me that. <laughs> Oh, that's so awesome. Our kids are sometimes the best teachers. Ryan, this has been so cool. I am so glad that you came, that we made this happen today. My my cup is now filled up and I'm ready to crush the rest of the day. You're wait, you're over there. You're in the your evening part, I do believe. 9 p.m. almost. 9 p.m. It's it's my birthday tomorrow. Oh, my it was mine on the weekend. So happy birthday for tomorrow. Yeah, birthday week. I hope you had a good one. Make beer. Cheers to you and all that. Very good. Is there somewhere where like my audience can come and check you out and listen to your stuff and dig into you a little more? Because uh, yeah, throw it out there, right? <laughs> Thanks, my friend. Yeah, my website is probably the best place, ryanhartley.co.uk, Instagram at Ryan B. Hartley. That will give you all the links in my link tree to the podcast, the YouTube, the, the Facebook community as well, which you're a, a good member and part of. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, don't worry about name dropping there because that's how I got into your world. Like that episode with Matthew McConaughey, 
for some reason popped up on my Facebook out of somewhere. And then when I listened to it, you just, you, you, you know, you interviewed him so well that right after that interview, I like bought the audio book. I bought the book. I, yeah, it was amazing actually. And, and so, yeah, that got me into your world and I've just enjoyed the journeys. Some, you know, and here's the thing is that when you do great things, this, so when I talk about leading for the love of it, not for anything in return, like that Matthew episode really was a good, a good example of that for me. Because everyone around me was like, what next? Who are you getting next? And I I could genuinely say that I had no expectations of anything to follow and that I could appreciate anything that came. And, you know, because I had the love of that conversation, here is this young lad from the southwest of England building an, a platform that he's been audacious enough to ask this Hollywood movie star to come on his podcast. Someone somewhere had bigger plans for me that made that happen. But I've learned that, A, we should, you know, learn to just embrace the miracles, leave space for the miracles, because I couldn't have made that happen myself. And secondly, it's just to enjoy whatever comes. And this conversation, my friend, has, has been a, a an example of that. So thank you. Yeah. Hopefully the listeners get that too, because this is a perfect thing. And I hope it, you know, it finds everybody in a great place. So thank you. Thank you so much, Ryan. This has been absolutely awesome. Loved it. Thanks, mate. Bye. All right, everybody. Thank you for making it to the end. I super appreciate each and every one of you who listens. I hope you get as much out of this adventure as I do. Remember to hit that subscribe button. And if you could leave a rating and a review, that would be awesome because it helps the show reach more parents who may just need to hear this. Then head over and join the Facebook group, type TIP Podcast in the search bar. This is where we will build our community and share our stories so we can learn from each other and not feel all alone, but receive support and encouragement to embrace being perfectly imperfect. Thanks so much, everyone. We got this.